How is it possible that Jesus could walk on water? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Brian Dembozik. So, Brian, today we are kind of revisiting something that we talked a little bit about last week when we were exploring Jesus feeding a great multitude. Um, again, who knows how many people that was exactly? More than 5,000. But exactly 5,000 plus 5,000 plus and, and it could be a generous plus I'm leaning toward generous myself so Jesus fed a great multitude and then afterward he got in a boat or he got his disciples into a boat yeah. and had them and had them start going across the sea the, going across the 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 sea and he yeah, didn't go with it's, them it's no and that's interesting Aaron and and I don't know what quite to make of it. Um, we want to be careful about speculating too much where, you know, the Bible's not clear on something. But this account begins, we're going to be looking at Matthew's um, version of this account. So it's Matthew 14. And in verse 22, it, it, we read, immediately he, meaning Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. And that made them, it, it's an, it, just an interesting phrase, an interesting idea. How did that happen why did he make them? Are we safe to assume because he was anticipating this miracle occurring? He wanted them to experience the storm. Um, it, it's just a really interesting detail that um, it deserves a pause. But again, we need to be careful about speculating too far beyond what we know is clearly here in Scripture. Right. So we've already kind of set up some context here, but let's let's talk through. Okay, what what exactly is going to happen here? Again, the context is it's right after the feeding of 5,000. Matthew records some miraculous healings right after. So it's a series of, of miracles that are occurring. Again, we're at about the midpoint of, of the ministry of Jesus. And um, so he, he makes the disciples get in a boat, go out at night. They're crossing uh, the lake. And he goes by himself to pray. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll come back to that later. And while he's praying, a storm comes and is just battering this boat. I mean, it is just a really, really rough storm. And then Jesus appears, comes out walking on water. The disciples see him from a distance through all the the rain and waves and so forth. Keep in mind their, their vision of him was not clear. And so they exclaim, it's a ghost. We'll talk about that soon too. Um, and they're afraid. And then he tells them, hey, um, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. We'll talk about that. It is I phrase. There's a lot we're going to talk about mm-hmm. here. Um, and then we have what most people recognize and remember of this account. And it's important, but we can't just focus on this. The whole account matters. This is where Peter gets out of the boat. He, he says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out to you. And, and Jesus invites him out. Peter goes walking in the water. He wavers in his faith. He pays attention to the waves, starts to sink. Uh, and then Jesus rescues him. And then they get to the other side. So usually when we hear this, um, or often I should say, we might hear this preached or taught. And that emphasis on Peter taking his eyes off Jesus is usually the, the, the main idea. Um, how we need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, and if we take our eyes off Jesus, what are the storms, what are the waves in your life that can distract you? 
while there might be some applicational truth to that, that is far from the main point of this passage. Right. And it's definitely not the application that was believing in yourself that uh, we heard in the mid to late first decade of the 2000s. Peter did not need to have faith in himself. He needed (laughs) his faith was supposed to be in Jesus. So if you've ever watched a bad video about that, uh, you you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There were a series of bad videos. Yes, yes, many, many, many. All right, so we've we've given a quick overview of this passage. Um, now, what are some questions that we should be asking when we are reading and studying Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22? Well, the, the first one, again, I kind of intimated that several we're going to talk about. The first one was the disciples saying it's a ghost. And does this mean that the Bible promotes belief in ghosts? And the quick, clear takeaway is no, it does not. Um, We cannot use this verse to support the notion that the Bible teaches that disembodied spirits of people roam around the earth. Nowhere does the Bible teach that. Rather, this word ghost here is used differently by Matthew than we would tend to use it today. For them, it is probably better to understand that this as them saying it's, it's some kind of apparition that we're seeing. Our eyes are tricking us. It's, you know, we're so afraid. It's so windy and everything. It looks like a person, but it's not. And so it's that mindset rather than them thinking, oh, it's a disembodied spirit out here on the, the waters. That is not what they're saying. So we just have to be careful. While the word ghost is here, I mean, we have the CSB, it's right there. It's not defined the way that w- many of us would define it in our culture today. So no, this does not support disembodied spirits roaming the earth. Right, right. Another question that we should be asking is, what is the most important thing that Jesus says in this entire passage? Um, he doesn't say a lot. In it, keep in mind. He says, he does say a few different things. For example, he says, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he says to Peter, Come. And then he says, Afterward, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Those are all the things that he's recorded as saying in this passage. So, which of those things is most important? Is, is it him saying to Peter, Come out onto the water? No, it's not. It's three words that we see in the first recorded statement about him in verse 27 or of him saying in verse 27 which is it is i now here's the trick it is i is not the most literal translation of this I'm not a translator, so I, I honestly, I'm not sure why they don't go with the more literal translation in this. Well, but well, because I think it, it just wouldn't read easily. If, if yeah, uh, the, so the literal translation. I'm sorry to get ahead of you. The literal translation is I. Yes, that's where I was going. And and you'll explain that in a minute. But read it, read it with that. If they had translated literally in the CSB, you would read 27 like this. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. I am. Don't be afraid. Yes. So it, it loses the meaning to us in English there. So the CSB, though, has a note mm-hmm. in that, the CSB Study Bible, verse 27, the words, it is I, are literally I am. 
and then I won't read the rest because it gets to what you want to share. Yes, exactly. So why is that so important? Well, um, so this is something we touched on last week a, a little bit, but we're going to go back to that. So um, if you want a fuller discussion of it, you need to go there. However, I am is really, really important because that is the name of God. That is the personal name, the identifier Yahweh that he gave to Moses in Exodus 3.14. This is one of these moments where Jesus is saying, I'm God. It's me. Yep. Here I am. Um, he is not, this, is, this isn't just saying, behold, it is I. Um, hi, I'm Jesus on the, on the water. There's something sig- much more significant here, and we don't want to miss that. That's why, that's, that's part of where my... Um, honestly, a little bit of my frustration with translations, even understanding the fact that, yes, reading I am there um, is clunky English. It really is. Yes, it is I works much better from a linguistic standpoint in, in modern English. Even then, though, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Um, <laughs> um, it's me would probably... Uh, read a little bit cleaner, but that would be even farther away from the, from the meeting. So I appreciate the, the, the attempt to keep it there, but we have to remember Jesus was not shy about his identity with his disciples. Yeah. He wanted them to know who he was and who he is. And, and it, Aaron, this is why that phrase is so important. If somebody thinks, well, guys, you're just kind of theological nerding out. You you know that, that it is I as I am, and you know that that points back to Exodus and Yahweh. And, and so you're just kind of nerding out here trying to say that's the most important thing you said. But think about it. Think about what that means. If, if, if this is his way of saying, I am God, I'm the son of God. How can that not be the most important thing? Because I think many people would have answered that initial question, what's the most important thing he, thing he says here, by what he says in verse 31. This is exa- how you hear it preached and taught so often. Jesus says in verse 31, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Because that is the takeaway. That's what you hear this message built around. I want to talk about little faith. I want to talk about how we as people are so prone to focus on waves and so forth. And again, there's some application there. Yeah. But that is not the most important thing. This account is not here for that reason. This account is here for I am. We are to read this and say, Jesus is the son of God. That is what got Peter out of the boat mm-hmm. in the first place. So the most important thing here is that picture, this proof of Jesus, who he is, his identity. The rest follows that, has to be supporting, undergirding it, not driving it. And so as we preach and teach on this, you know, if I'm preaching on this on a Sunday morning, that's what I want. That's the big idea I want people resonating with. Jesus is God. Therefore, I will fix my gaze on him. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Another Another question comes back to something something we touched on at the beginning of this episode, which uh, has to do with Peter. So again, like like you said at the beginning, it's very often when we hear this passage preached, Peter becomes the focus, and we don't want to we don't want to discount the importance of Peter here because this interaction is is very important. Um, but 
you you typically hear it well you know you typically hear most things with peter in a um should we give it give him grief or should we give him credit and um because you know often he's acting like a goober and uh so he is definitely you know from a storytelling perspective he's probably the person who's easiest for most of us to resonate with in the gospels because we're all a bunch of goobers too but um (laughs) Um, so we want to recognize that we want to appreciate that but um, when we look at this passage when we ask this question should we give him grief or credit the answer is yes Um, and that's true in a lot of cases with him is is you he shows us something he shows us these hints that he's getting something much more significant than maybe we realize but then we also see him fail and and fall apart the way that we all do so here he's recognizing jesus power more clearly than any of the other disciples are he's the only one who gets out of the boat um but we don't want to miss the fact that he wavered in that faith he saw who jesus was he got a glimpse of it he started to understand and then he lost it yeah and so jesus when he is talking when he is saying when he responds to him he says why did you doubt you of little faith he's talking to peter he's saying you peter you had little faith and again who did he have little faith in not himself not in faith in general in jesus specifically the one that he had recognized was his lord yeah and this is you know we'll get ahead of ourselves as we're we are prone to do uh but when we think about takeaways that right there is an important takeaway so i don't want to you know i don't mean to uh to intimate that anybody who's ever preached on this or taught on this and and drove this point home is wrong. No, this is an important point. But let's not do it at the expense of the greater point of, of I am. Um, but when you think about this, think about Peter. Don't set him up as a caricature either way. Don't set him up as this great example of faith because that would be wrong because Jesus calls that out and says, hey, you you, you doubted. You have little faith. So there is this notion of criticism that is as deserved yes. of, of Peter. But I think too often we make Peter as a character of a failure. Oh, Peter does it again. He always puts his foot in his mouth and he does quite a bit. But um, here again, think about that. There is a storm and so forth. Um, they're out on the water. All the disciples are together. And Peter is the only one who's bold enough to recognize that if that's Jesus... He has the power to preserve me in this. He, he's walking. I can walk on water too. He can empower me to do that. That apparently does not register with any of the other disciples, or at least it's not recorded as it does. Yes. And then he gets out of the boat. That's you a, think about it. I mean, there's that is a huge step physically. We have to remember this really happened. Yes. So don't keep this vague. Imagine Peter literally taking one leg putting it over the side of the boat his sandal hits water and then he brings his other leg over and there's a split second where his weight is on the side of the boat and then he moves his weight from the boat and he's fully on the water that is an amazing act of faith it really is 
not in himself, as you were saying, in Jesus, the one who, so we have got to give him credit where credit is due and nobody else gets out with him, um, but then he wavers. So keep a healthy balance because in Peter, we see ourselves so much. We really, yeah, um, we really do. And I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there are some people who I think need to, they don't give themselves enough credit. Um, mm-hmm. They, they will tend to see themselves as just the biggest mess up and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make heaven by the skin of my teeth mm-hmm. and so forth. And Jesus must be so disappointed with me. And, and I think some people need to have a better self image, one that's rooted in who they've been made in Christ um, and the faith that they have demonstrated and find comfort and solace in there and encouragement. God does not intend for us to walk around with our heads down, beating ourselves up all the time. At the same time, there may be others who are kind of the other mistake and they're puffed up and they think, man, God is lucky to have me serving him. What would he do? And I think they need to recognize, oh no, I can be like Peter at times. I'm like Peter often and I lack faith. I mess up. So Peter, I think, gives us this great example of what real faith looks like. It's there, but it's clunky. Yeah. Real, genuine faith is not perfect faith. Genuine mm-hmm. faith is genuine faith. We're going, we're all going to, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to sin. We're all going to screw up. However you want to put it, there are going to be these moments in our lives. The question yeah. is, is what do we do with them? Yeah. And that, Aaron, kind of takes me to the last thing, question I would have about this passage. What is this passage really about? What is the main takeaway? And we've talked about this, but just to be clear, just to be on the nose, if your main takeaway about this is faith, you're missing it because it's the object of faith. We can't make this a man-centered and just focus entirely on faith. Um, It's incomplete. We have to lift up the object of that faith, Jesus Christ himself. So if you look at what Matthew's doing here, He's coming out of the feeding of the multitude. He's presenting this account of walking on water. He goes on to miraculous healings after this. Right here, we see this amazing pocket of evidence after evidence of who Jesus is. So you have to understand this miracle and all miracles, I think, together. What is the purpose of the miracles? The, one of the main purposes is to show Jesus' identity. I am is central that identity of Jesus being the son of God, that he's all powerful, these prove it. People don't walk on water on themselves. Jesus walks on water because he's the creator and he enabled Peter to do it. So that is the main takeaway. We, we, we make sure that is clear. And then again, as we pursue applications, what difference does this make? Then we can talk about faith. This is why our faith in him is reasonable. This is why we, we can and should step out in faith and walk in faith, keeping our eyes fixed on him and so forth. So that's a reasonable takeaway. It's a necessary takeaway, but it cannot be the main idea that we present in this passage. Jesus and his identity has to be. Yes. And that is a great uh, lead in to really our last question, which is what kind of guidance, if we're talking about practical takeaways and how do we, how do we approach this from a discipleship perspective? What do we do with this passage? Yeah, I think um, one thing, taking a, a detour to something I mentioned earlier on, I said we'd get back to, so I'm not a liar, is coming back to this this idea that Jesus left the disciples to go by himself to pray. And this account is, I mean, it's what, about 11 verses long? Mm-hmm. It's not much text here, but there's so much. 
to talk about. That detail, I think, often gets overlooked. Um, if you're in a preaching or teaching environment, and again, you can only cover so much, I guess it's understandable that that is, is missed, but it's to our detriment. Um, I would at least encourage us to find time to point this out, even if it's briefly here. But prayer was a priority for Jesus. We see this here. We see this other places uh, that he often would go by himself to pray. He was in a practice of praying, of talking with the Father. And we've talked about prayer on our on previous episodes. And I think anybody who's listened knows this. We recognize that you and I, Aaron, we are not the best at the discipline of prayer. Um, so it, part of this kind of wounds me when I come across these because it reminds me of, of how I fail in this area. Um, but I also want God to use this to encourage me, let the Holy Spirit encourage me through this, to remind me that prayer is so vital. Um, Jesus recognized his need to, to be in fellowship, communion with the Father. I need to remember to do that as well. I need to protect time. I need to take it seriously. So that's a really important detail that we can draw out here, especially as we end up, again, as we talked about it, we're going to be talking about faith with whoever we're discipling. That prayer is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, reminding people just how much God can do with with even just a little bit. Because again, um, it's it's become almost a cliche to say that it is not the amount of faith that you have, but the object of your faith. Um, but it's still, but it's, it's a cliche because it's true. <laughs> and so that is, so what we need to, what we always need to do is we need to encourage people to help them look and say, okay, if your faith is in Jesus, what's in, what, what is possible? Yeah. Well, I mean, truly, and truly anything is possible because he is going to do all things according to his purposes for his good for for his glory and our good. And so if we can and if we can trust him in in like in little things, starting with little things like okay, what's can I trust him that I'm going to have a job tomorrow? Start there. And I mean, that's really important for a time like right now when people aren't really sure what's going to happen day to day. Um, I'm sure that there are people, and I wish this wasn't true, but I'm sure there are people listening to this who go to bed every night wondering if tomorrow is going to be the day that they find out that they're losing their job. And I hate that for all of you. You should not have to feel that way. But you know what? Jesus has, has you. He's going to use whatever is happening for your good and for his glory. And that's going to make a world of difference. All right. So I think um, before I get too preachy, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up. Um, so, uh, Brian, thanks for, for chatting about this passage today. Um, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.